Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2375, with the release date of Friday, May 5th, 2023, to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. Hams in Australia have only another month to weigh in on a new class license. The FCC proposes changes to the 60-meter band. And a controversial bill about RF emissions has hams in Maine worried. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2375 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, Amateur Radio's first independent on-the-air news and bulletin service. Now reporting from Charleston, West Virginia, here's Jim Dameron in a TMW. Our top story this week takes us to the state of Maine, where hams are expressing concern over a telecommunications bill that proposes a study on radio frequency emissions. Andy Morrison, K9AWM, has an update. Ham radio operators in the state of Maine are keeping an eye on a bill in which lawmakers call for a study of radio frequency radiation emissions and the environmental impact of 5G technology. The bill is stalled for now in the Committee on Energy, Utilities, and Technology. But according to a recent story in the Maine Monitor, hams in the state are concerned that such a study of 5G holds the potential for unintended restrictions of frequencies shared by amateur radio operators. Phil Duggan, N1EP, the ARRL section manager for Maine, told Newsline in an email that amateurs are seeking wording to be added to the bill that exempts amateur radio and public safety communications. Phil said that uh, the ARRL New England Division Director, Fred Kimmerer, AB1OC, had advised hams to be on the alert as anti-5G bills are introduced in a number of state legislatures with wording that could impact ham radio. The bill in Maine, introduced by Republican lawmaker Tracy Quint, targets the telecommunications industry specifically, and its language does not mention amateur radio. Hams, nonetheless, have submitted written testimony protesting the bill, noting that hams are already required to conduct evaluations of their radio frequency radiation in compliance with FCC regulations that ensure safety. This is Andy Morrison, K9AWM. The U.S. Federal Communications Commission has changes planned for the 60-meter band and wants to hear from you. Patrick Clark, KATAC, tells us more. Following the lead set of the World Radio Communications Conference in 2015 and adopted most recently by Canadian regulators, the U.S. Federal Communications Commission has proposed changes to the 60-meter band that would allocate 15 kilohertz of contiguous bandwidth between 5351.5 and 5366.5 kilohertz for amateur radio on a secondary basis. U.S. General Advanced and Extra Hams presently have five channels available to them between 5332 and 5405 kilohertz, also 
also on a secondary basis with an effective radiated power limit of 100 watts PEP. The proposed new bandwidth would set a limit of 15 watts EIRP. The FCC's notice of proposed rulemaking was released on April 21st and aligns itself with terms advocated for by the ARRL. The band's primary user in the U.S. is the federal government. The National Telecommunications and Information Administration favors adoption of the new proposed bandwidth, with hams losing the ability to use four of the five permitted channels. The remaining channel would be included within the new contiguous portion of the 60-meter band. The ARRL, however, previously asked the FCC to keep the four 60-meter channels that fell outside the new band and to retain the 100-watt power limit. The notice is to be published in the Federal Register in May, and comments from the public are due no later than 60 days after the notice appears. This is Patrick Clark, KATAC. The Australian communications regulator is moving ahead with the proposed new class license. Graham Kemp, VK4BB, tells us what's involved. Amateurs with a VK licence have until Thursday, June 1 to have their say on proposed changes by the Australian Communications and Media Authority that would create a class licence with considerations for a staged implementation of higher power authorisation. The ACMA states on its website that it intends to implement the proposed class licensing arrangements starting on the 1st of July and expects to give the amateur community ample notice before this change comes into effect. The ACMA also says that the revised class licence proposal was created by incorporating suggestions from representative bodies, amateur radio clubs and individual amateurs. The Wireless Institute of Australia does not support this change, however, saying it could only support the change on a no-disadvantage basis. On May 1, the ACMA website published submissions from the public that were not made anonymously. This is Graham Kemp, VK4BB. Amateur satellite and SHF enthusiasts in Australia can expect to lose all or part of the 9-centimeter band under another proposal by the Australian Communications and Media Authority. The regulator has been looking at the frequencies between 3.4 and 3.6 gigahertz for possible use in long-term Earth station protection zones. As with other ACMA proposals, the deadline for public comment to the regulator is July 1st. The National Radio Astronomy Observatory in Greenbank, West Virginia, is offering a select group of young students an opportunity to study the electromagnetic spectrum, as we hear from Cell MB, KB3TZD. Twenty science-minded students between the ages of 18 and 20 are being given an opportunity to enroll in an intensive course about the electromagnetic spectrum being hosted by the National Radio Astronomy Observatory in Greenbank, West Virginia. This is the second year the observatory has conducted the course, which begins in September of this year and runs through May of 2024. The program is being overseen by the Observatory's Director of Diversity and Inclusion and is funded by a grant from Amateur Radio Digital Communications. A special effort is being made to find enrollees who are Black, Indigenous, or people of color, as well as students from the LGBTQIA community who wish to gain experience, particularly as it applies to amateur radio and any future careers in science, technology, engineering, and math. Students accepted into the 40-week program will receive a stipend of $4,000. Lindell Von Schill, Director of Diversity and Inclusion, can be reached for questions at her email address at lvonschi at nrao.edu. The observatory is a facility of the National Science Foundation. This is Cell MB, KB3, TZD. 
A founding member of a popular net that's a fixture on 80 meters has become a silent key. We hear about him from Kevin Trotman, N5PRE. John Knipping, AA9KC, was one of the original freewheelers on 3916 kilohertz. In November of 1998, he answered a call put out by Ken Odom, W4FCW, on 3916 kilohertz, and out of that early QSO bloomed a friendship and ultimately a popular net where everyone was welcome. John became a silent key on April 29th at the age of 92. According to his online obituary, he was a Korean War veteran, a musician, and a member of the Egyptian Radio Club. The tradition of easy camaraderie lives on, however. The net continues to make new friends and welcoming old ones every night on 80 meters starting at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. This is Kevin Trotman in 5PRE. A reminder to our listeners that there's more to Amateur Radio Newsline this month than just this newscast. If you're going to Xenia, Ohio for Hamvention, be sure to stop in Forum Room 2 Friday, May 19th, starting at 11.35 a.m. local time. The popular Town Hall Forum is back after many years, and we have three guests. Riley Hollingsworth, K4ZDH, will take questions about the ARRL Volunteer Monitor Program. IARU President Tim Ellum, VE6SH, will discuss issues facing the IARU that affect amateurs worldwide. And Mark Smith, N6MTS, will take questions about a proposal to standardize headset connectors for interoperability. Come along and join us. Time to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the shortwave broadcast station of shortwaveradio.de in Lower Saxony, Germany, on 6160 kilohertz AM. The station's European summer schedule will be 0700 to 1700 UTC weekends, 1500 to 1700 UTC Monday through Friday. Broadcasts can also be heard from 1700 to 2300 UTC daily on 3975 kilohertz AM. In Australia and in the UK, hams will be milling about, literally, for this outdoor special event. We learn the details from John Williams, VK4JJW. There's more to mills than wheat, corn or flour. Some mills can produce QSOs. Well, at least that's what's going to be the case in Australia during the Mills on the Air radio event being held in conjunction with the Mills on the Air taking place at the same time in the UK. That would be the 13th and 14th of May. Hams are on the air activating the mills and also hoping to score points at the same time for Soto, Pota and the worldwide flora and fauna. The Bendigo Amateur Radio and Electronics Club is proud to be the first to get things started in 2017 with the activation of Anderson's Mill in Smeaton, Victoria. But now mill activations are grinding along quite nicely throughout Australia. They'll be joining more than 300 windmills and watermills being activated throughout the UK to celebrate its industrial heritage. If you wish to receive a certificate from the Denby Dale Amateur Radio Society, which organises the event in the UK, be sure to register there at the link in the text version of this week's newscast at arnewsline.org. This is John Williams, VK4JJW. A space-based cellular phone network that relies on satellites instead of towers may not be so far off as you think. Ken Peterson, KC0DGY, has that story. 
Imagine being able to have a cell phone signal delivered directly to your mobile device from space instead of from a cell tower. Two smartphone users reported recently they had just that experience. A call between a phone user in Texas and another in Japan was reportedly routed through a low-Earth orbit satellite manufactured by AST Space Mobile. These were standard, unmodified smartphones, a Samsung Galaxy S22 in Texas and an iPhone in Japan. The Blue Walker 3 satellite that made the call possible is powerful enough to pick up cell phone signals from over 1,000 miles away thanks to an array of 100,000 individual antenna elements on board. Smartphones and satellites typically do not share the same part of the spectrum for direct communication, leaving phones to rely on local cell towers instead. According to an article in The Verge, AST Space Mobile was able to adapt its network architecture so it was similar to Third Generation Partnership Project, or 3GPP, the standard that cell networks use. Some smartphones are already capable of message-based satellite routing solutions in emergencies, but a full-service call with voice connection like this is said to be breaking new ground. The article said there will be further testing. This is Kent Peterson, KC0, DGY. Hams in the UK are marking the 80th anniversary of the famous World War II Dam Busters raid. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, tells us what's involved. The Royal Air Force sent a squadron of bombers into the night to complete a mission known as Operation Chastise, but better known as the Dambusters Raid. Its targets in the heart of industrial Nazi Germany's Ruhr Valley were three dams for destruction, but which were heavily protected from any underwater or air assault. The successful mission, which set off on the 16th of May 1943, is being commemorated from the 14th to the 16th of May this year by the Stockport Radio Society with the call sign GB0DBA. Stockport is an industrial town in Greater Manchester, a region with strong ties to the mission that employed the now famous bouncing bombs. The planes modified to carry the bombs were manufactured at Chadderton and assembled at Woodford. The air crew trained over the Derwent Reservoir. Manchester University has a building dedicated to Barnes Wallace, the creator of the bouncing bomb, and to Wing Commander Guy Gibson, who was later proposed as a candidate for the UK Parliament. Listen on the HF bands with a focus on 20 and 40 metres for operators using SSB, CW and RITI. There will also be radioactivity on VHF using FM, C4FM and FT8 on 2 metres and SSB and CW using the QO100 satellite. Please visit the QRZ.com page of GB0DBA for QSL details. This is Jeremy Boot, G4NJH. Hams are getting ready to participate once again in the Armed Forces Day crossband test, an exercise with an important mission. Jack Parker, W8ISH, explains. From Robbins Air Force Base in Georgia to Camp Foster in Okinawa, military stations will be making two-way radio contacts with amateur radio operators on various ham frequencies as part of an important interoperability test that has united hams and government radio operators for half a century. This year, the Armed Forces Day cross-band test will be held on May 13th, testing two-way communications between hams and the military. It's an important exercise that does not have any impact on the use of bands by hams or other private radio operators. All communications are conducted on upper sideband unless the instructions specify otherwise. 
An internet search for DOD Mars Armed Forces Day provides complete information, including participating stations, time periods, and details about QSL cards. Created in 1925, the Military Auxiliary Radio System, also known as MARS, relies on the skills of more than 3,000 civilians, most of them licensed ham radio operators, who assist the U.S. military with communications at every level from local to international, especially in emergency situations. This is Jack Parker, W8ISH. Time is running out to nominate your choice for Amateur Radio Newsline's Bill Pasternak Young Ham of the Year Award. Candidates must reside in the continental United States and be a licensed ham 18 years of age or younger. We're looking for someone who has talent, promise, and a commitment to the spirit of ham radio. Find application forms on our website, arnewsline.org, under the YHOTY tab. Nominations close on May 31st. That's at the end of this month. If you've ever been troubled by noisy speakers, uh, no, we don't mean the kind you suffer through at an awards banquet, our final story of this week may be of interest to you. We should advise you, however, the solution to this problem is somewhat bizarre, even in the opinion of its creator. Here's Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, with that story. When Richard Langer received a second-hand dub radio from a friend, he realised right away that listening to it at lower volume was going to be a challenge. There was a noticeable scratching sound that went away only if the radio volume was made louder. Using the kind of ingenuity we amateurs also know quite well, Richard tried to find a way to fix the problem without the need to replace the speaker. Looking among some everyday household items, Richard ultimately got to the bottom, yes, we do mean bottom, of the situation. He reached for a roll of toilet tissue. The speaker's paper cone had apparently warped, causing the voice coil to rub against the magnet assembly. The friction had worn out the insulation on the turns of the coil and taken it out of proper alignment. Crumpling the toilet tissue, he determined that if he inserted it just at the right spot between the cone and the metal housing, it would exert sufficient pressure to restore the alignment. The result? Good, noise-free sound. Richard shared this simple solution in a recent video on his YouTube channel. The solution was picked up as well by the website Hackaday. With a clever permanent solution as close as one's own bathroom, Richard is no doubt pleased there will be no need for the little radio to be flushed. This is Jeremy Bucci for NJH. With thanks to the ACMA, Amateur News Weekly, AMSAT News Service, the ARDC, ARRL, CQ Magazine, David BR, K7DB, Dignity Memorial, DXWorld.net, the FCC, 425DX News, Hackaday, Legacy.com, Mars, Maine Monitor, Mills on the Air, News Center Maine, QRZ.com, ShortwaveRadio.de, 3916 Freewheelers Net, U.S. Department of Defense, The Verge, YouTube, and you, our listeners, that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. We remind listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer, non-profit organization that incurs expenses for its continued operation. If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know we appreciate you all. We also remind listeners that if you like our newscast, please leave a five-star rating wherever you subscribe to us.
For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT at the News Desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Jim Dameron, NATMW in Charleston, West Virginia, saying 73. And as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2023, all rights reserved.